Amen. Would you remain standing as we go to the text from which my assignment comes today, Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 18. The scripture says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Hold on, I got to sneeze. Have you ever had a sneeze and just be praying the whole time? I hope I don't sneeze. I hope I don't sneeze. I hope I don't sneeze. The only way to do that is if you actually kind of put something there so you don't sneeze. So if I kept trying to read, I would have probably sneezed all over my notes. So I decided to just interrupt it. All right, let's start again. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, our husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill... What the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Jesus woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Today I want to talk to you on the subject of God's plan for your life. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would minister to each and every heart in a powerful way. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, you may be seated. The Christmas story is told year after year. And careful attention is always given to Mary and her Magnificat and the wonderful part that she played in the Christmas story. We also talk about the wise men. We give them a lot of airtime and how they followed the star to Bethlehem. We talk about the shepherds and how they were out in the field and the angels announced the birth of Christ first to them. We even talk about the angels themselves and that heavenly host that sang, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace toward all men. We talk about Herod and how he hunted Jesus. We even give the innkeeper some credit in the Christmas story. We talk about how he announced there's no room for you in the inn. But it seems like every time the Christmas story is told, the one person that doesn't get almost any attention, no love, he's kind of like Rodney Dangerfield, no respect, you know, is Joseph. Joseph gets, he seems to be overlooked. He seems to be a sidekick in the Christmas story. And maybe it's because that's the way most men kind of do life in Christmas. They're just along for the ride. But when we look into the story of Joseph, we find something very profound. And we find out that God has a wonderful plan for each one of our lives. And matter of fact, God's plan for our life is better than our plan for our life. Think about Joseph's plan for his life for just a moment. He planned to be a carpenter. His plan was to marry this beautiful young lady. She was smart and she was kind and she was all a man could ask for. In a few months, they'd get married. They'd go on the honeymoon. You know, they'd come back home. They'd live in the house that he built. Perhaps they'd start a family with some little Marys and Josephs, maybe get a dog named Rover, begin to, you know, uh, prosper in their careers and kind of just enjoy the Jerusalem dream. That was kind of his plan for his life. Kind of sounds like, The plan that most people have for their lives. We call it the American dream. 
But here's what I found out about living life for that reason. Living life just to do all that. After you kind of meet the person of your dreams and after you have the kids and after your career begins to take off and you get the house that you want and everything like that, you start asking questions. Start asking questions like, is that it? Is that, that all there is to life? Isn't it more fulfilling? Isn't there a deeper meaning? Isn't there something that can satisfy me on, on, a, on another level? Is there, is there more to life than just the pursuit of the American dream? I have no problem with the American dream. I love nice things. I love all of that kind of stuff, as you can tell by this really fly jacket that I'm wearing right now. Right? I love all this stuff. But, but life is more than the American dream. It's deeper than that. Solomon was asking that question. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, he says, the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Who's better than him? He's king. He says, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? He was asking the question, I've got it all. I've done it all. I've achieved it all. I'm living the Jerusalem dream. And here's what he's saying at the end of his life. Isn't there more? Isn't there something that could have mattered more? Isn't there something that have been more impactful, more fulfilling? And the answer to that question is, yes, there is. And the answer to that question is, there is, and it's God's plan for your life. It's not your plan for your life. Life is more than the American dream. God doesn't have any problem with the American dream. But I found out that the American dream in many people's lives usurps the dream that's really been dreaming them. The dream that God put them on the planet for. Matter of fact, in Jeremiah 29, verse number 11, the scripture succinctly and famously tells us, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. What's God saying? There's only really one thing that satisfies in life on that deeper level that people go searching for in all the wrong places, and that is the plan of God for our lives. And God's plan is bigger and God's plan is better, and God's plan is more rewarding than anything that we can come up with on, on ourselves by ourselves. Matter of fact, if you look at Joseph, his plan was to be a carpenter. God's plan was for him to be the caretaker of the creator of the universe. Think about this for a moment. In John chapter 1, we're told that Jesus was the Word, and the Word was God. And then it goes on and says in verse number 3, Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus was not just a good person. He was God incarnate. He was the creator of all things. And the angel shows up one day and says, listen, Mr. Carpenter, my plan for your life is bigger than you building stuff. My plan for your life is to be the caretaker of the creator of the universe. Think about God's plan as it relates to your plan. It's bigger it's better, it's more meaningful, it's more rewarding than anything that we can come up with all on our own. And God's plan didn't just suddenly surface for your life. It's not like all of a sudden when you hit your 20s, God goes, okay, i got a plan for your life. But when you hit your 30s, it's like, okay, let me figure something out for you to do. God's plan for your life and my life pre-exists our arrival on the planet. Matter of fact, if you look at the scripture here, the angel says to Joseph, he says, Joseph, son of David. And I love this because... He, first of all, he calls him by name. To me, to know that the creator of the universe knows us each by name individually is absolutely amazing. A few years back, I was coming off the field at Yankee Stadium, which is pretty awesome, right? It wasn't because I was playing baseball. I, that ship sailed long ago. You know, I'm not one of those guys who says, well, I could have made it pro. I just, you know, oh, that's the story of every guy that's ever played, right? I could have made it pro. You know, I should have made it pro. Here's my question. Then why didn't you? 
It's not like you gave it up. Come on. You didn't leave millions on the table. Anyway, I was coming off the, the field at Yankee City because I participated in a night of hope. And uh, with Joel Osteen. So I was on the platform with him. And I'm coming off of the field. And I hear this person, Pastor Frank! Pastor Frank! Pastor Frank! And I'm kind of looking around. And I look up about third row behind the dugout, the Brickishaw Ferguson from the New York Jets. All pro offensive tackle from the New York Jets. He's calling my name. I'm like, bro, don't sweat me like that, man. Come on. You know? (laughs) And it was kind of exciting, right? Somebody famous is, is calling your name. But I thought, this pales in comparison. We had met. I had interviewed him on TBN, and we had kind of hit it off and exchanged numbers and had been talking and stuff like that. And so, so I know why he was calling me to say hello. But I thought, this pales in comparison to the fact that the God of the universe knows me by name. The God of the universe calls us by name. We're not a number to God. We're, we're, we're not just a pawn to God. We're not insignificant to God. We're not expendable to God. God knows us by name and he should know us by name because before he created us, he came up for, with a plan and he put us on a planet to do something. He crafted us and built us not so we can experience the American dream so that we can fulfill the plan that he put us on the planet for. That's where our fulfillment comes up, comes from. That's where the meaning in life comes from. And I love the fact that he doesn't just call Joseph by name, but notice what he calls him. He says, Joseph, thou son of David. Now, Joseph is like generations removed from David. I mean, Joseph's probably not even thinking, son of David. He calls him Joseph, son of David. What's he saying? He said, I just, I not only know your name, but listen, I know your whole story. I know your father. I know your father's father. I know your father's father's father. I know your father's 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 father. I know where you came from. I know your lineage. I know everything about you. I know how you arrived at this stage in your life. I've been watching you. My eyes been on you. You think my eyes just on the sparrow, but it's been watching over you. I've watched you as you became a carpenter. I watched you as you moved to Nazareth. I watched you as you I'd marry to be your wife. Matter of fact, if the truth be told, I not only know all about you, I ordered every one of your steps up to this moment moment. You thought you became a carpenter by accident. You thought you were from Nazareth by accident. You thought you and Mary met by coincidence. You thought that you came from the lineage of Jesus, of of David by happenstance. What you didn't know is it all had to be. It was all part of the plan. Every little step you took was being ordered and ordained by me. And somebody in here needs to know this. Even the messy parts... Even the parts that you don't think fit and you don't think have any part in your story. Here's what I found out about God. God redeems all of that, repurposes all of that, and it becomes part of the plan that God has for your life. And at some point in your life, you'll see it and you'll take control of your story and you won't let the enemy write your story anymore, but you will realize that it's all part of a greater plan that God has for your life. God's plan for your life is amazing. He knows all about you. God has this wonderful, amazing, better, grander plan for each and every one of us. And people say to me, well, Pastor, I get it, but how do I know what it is? And here's, here's what I found out. God will reveal his plan for your life to you. I like to say it like this. The Father's plan for your life will find you. So many people think, well, you know, I've got to find the plan that God has for me. So, some people even say, well, God found me. Have you ever heard people say that? All that's nonsense. Or they say, I found God. All that's nonsense. God finds us. His plan for our life 
finds us. Think about this. David was tending sheep. He wasn't praying. He was tending sheep. He was overlooked to be anointed as king. But he was called in from the field. Why? So that the father's plan could find him. He wasn't even looking for it. Esther was an orphan slave girl in a foreign land. To her surprise, there was a beauty contest where she became queen. Say, why was there a beauty contest? So that she could become queen. Why did she have to become queen? So that she could go in before the king unannounced to save God's people from extinguish. The plan of God found her. Paul was on the road to Damascus and he was persecuting the very gospel that he would wind up preaching. And on that road to Damascus, he didn't find Jesus. Jesus found him and the father's plan found him. Peter was fishing and the father's plan found him. Moses was on the backside of a mountain and he had quit on God but then the bush the bush the bush was on the father's plan found him Zacchaeus was up in a tree and the father's plan found him Joseph was went to sleep Joseph of the Old Testament not Joseph of the New Testament but Joseph of the Old Testament went to sleep and had a dream the father's plan found him Abraham was old the father's plan found him Gideon was hiding behind a wine press the father's plan found him Mary and Joseph were planning a wedding father's plan found him some point in your life, Father's plan will find, will find you. But you have to stay open. So many people, they don't stay open. They close their heart. They close their mind. They, they put their head down in pursuit of only one thing, the American dream, the Jerusalem dream. And they forget that there's a, a bigger dream. There's a dream that is dreaming you. And in order for you to stay open, what you need to do is stay prayerful about all circumstances and in all situations. I mean, think about this. The Bible says about Joseph, he considered, after he heard, he considered what she had said. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean? He considered. The Christian way to consider something is to pray. See, see, so many of us, what we do is, is, is we don't, we don't process in prayer. We process through worry and we process through doubt and we process through unproductive reasonings and conversations. When God has given us this amazing tool to process and to consider things with, and that is prayer. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in, in everything. Not in some of the things, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Make your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. Pray about everything. When people hear this, they're like, well, that's impossible. You know, it doesn't take long to pray about everything. There are times when, you know, something happens. I'm like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? That's a prayer. From that point, my, my mind and my heart are attentive. Can I be honest with you? I spend more time listening in prayer than I do talking. And this is why so many people don't get answers. I've learned a long time ago that if somebody is smarter than you, shut up. Isn't that right? Like we like to tell everybody what we know. Like the only time you should be the, mo- the one talking the most is if you're the smartest in the room. And you shouldn't always be the smartest in the room because you're never, then you're not in the right room some of the time. 
right? Because if you're always in the room and you're always the smartest in the room, then you're not availing yourself to wisdom that you potentially need in other situations. And so I've learned when I have conversations with God that my prayers, my speaking time is shorter than my listening time because God's got what I need and I just need him to know I'm available. God, go ahead and speak. I'm listening. I'm attentive. My heart's on you. Most of the time, my prayer time is a short conversation and then a long time of meditation. I'm like kind of Kanye. I get in that zone. Remember when he said that? He said, shh. Y'all see that? He shows it. He said, he said, I'm in a flow. You're breaking my flow right now. Yeah, did y'all see that? I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, prayer is how we consider. Here's what God told me to tell you. If the will of God, the plan of God is going to happen in your life, you need to be prayerful when things are humanly incomprehensible. Mary says to Joseph, I'm expecting. Joseph's like, right on, girl. What you expecting? You expect to have a good time on the honeymoon, ain't you? Me too. We wait a long time for that night. You expect the wedding day to be beautiful, ain't you? You expect us to get big gifts, right? Uh, what, what, what do you expect? You expect when we come home, our parents are going to surprise us. They're going to have furniture in the house. Well, what you expecting? Excuse me, no, 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 Joseph. I'm expecting. Joseph's jaw drops. He knows. How, how can, what do you mean? How, how can this be? We, we, we've waited. We, we said we were, we were going to wait till, till our wedding day for this. How could this be? And she's like, no, no, Joseph, it's not like that. It's not your best friend. That's for real, ain't it? Do you know most affairs happen with people that other people know? Right? Be, be careful of who you open your heart up to. Careful who you allow access into your inner circles and courts. Joseph's not about it. It's not your best friend. It, it's not your enemy. It, it, it's not somebody who was in the wedding party. It's, 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 it's not somebody who we know. It, it's, it's nothing like that. It's nothing like that. It's God. I, I'm pregnant by God. God did this to me. And you can see Joseph is, he, he, can't, he can't grasp that. He doesn't understand that. That, that. That's humanly incomprehensible. But he doesn't hit the bottle or the bar. He doesn't grab a joint to relax. He doesn't phone a friend. He considers these things. He prays. It's amazing to me. Confused. (laughs) Like that's supposed to give you clarity of mind. It kills your brain cells, y'all. What does he do? He prays. Pray. When things are humanly incomprehensible, when you don't understand what has happened, how it's happened, what you just learned or can't believe you're seeing with your eyes, get into, peek into uh, that principle. Start with that principle of prayer. Also pray when things are unimaginably painful. We think Joseph did the macho thing. You know, because guys like to pretend that stuff doesn't hurt when it really hurts. Anytime somebody flares up, it's because there's pain. Anger is a mask many times for not dealing with true emotion, right? That's what happens, you know, when somebody hurts you. Instead of, instead of being vulnerable, we, we, we power up. And so we think that Joseph did this, this machismo thing. But this is pain that he's feeling. Some would even say this paralyzing pain. But Joseph understood what to do when you don't know what to do. Joseph understood that when life is most painful, prayer is most powerful. That's, that's a gem right there. I should see a lot of pens going. Hashtag Pastor Frank Santora tweet. 
When life is most painful, prayer is most powerful. Have you ever had something happen? You, you, you don't understand the pain is, the pain is so real and you just wish that you can get some insight from God on it. Can I tell you what prayer allows you to do? Prayer allows you to peek behind the scenes. Prayer's, prayer allows you to see with the eye of faith. Prayer allows you to see beyond the problem. Prayer allows you to get a foretaste of the future. Prayer allows God to show up and show you how he's going to take the pain and transform it into part of the plan. Pray. When life is painful, but also be prayerful when things are suddenly changeable. Anybody ever have uncontrollable shifts happen in their life? I'm not talking about controllable shifts. You know, half the time we're asking how did this happen when we sowed for it. Hello? God's been dealing with me about eating healthier and the last week I've been doing good, so pray for me to continue for more than a week. Say, well, Pastor, we don't see it yet. It takes more than a week for you to see it. <laughs> Again! Again! Right? And so he's been, the, so, uh, he's been dealing with that. We shouldn't be confused as to why if we eat fatty stuff our entire life, we have heart disease when we get older. I don't understand how this happened. Duh. <laughs> right? So, so a lot of times we're asking questions where we know what the answers are because we sowed for But there are certain times in life where stuff comes out of nowhere. Can I get a good amen? Where, where you don't understand why the shift happened. You don't understand what it came for. You don't understand what you sowed to, to make it happen. It just, it just shows up in the situation. What do you do when life shifts? And you can't control the shift. When it goes, you have to be prayerful because here's what I found out. I found that that God talks in the shifts. I found that God is wanting to say something. God is wanting to show something. God is wanting to do something. So when life begins to change suddenly, pray vehemently. Joseph is going about life. It's all well. Him and Mary are happy. The families are excited. The wedding plans are progressing and bam, out of nowhere. Shift. And Joseph is tempted to react, isn't he? Scripture says it. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph's first reaction was get rid of her. Can I, can I give you a secret? I expose the enemy. The enemy gets you in your first reaction. Have you, have, you, have you ever reacted to something and then you had to repent for your reaction even though you were right for feeling the way that you reacted? Did you get all that? It's not that your reaction wasn't warranted. It's not like the feeling was not real. But oftentimes, when you react the wrong way, you lose your right to be right. Hashtag Pastor Frank Santorum. You have to understand that there is a right way to react in given circumstances. And what the enemy will do is the enemy will push you to react instantaneously the wrong way, to push you down the wrong track. But if you're smart, you'll pause. And instead of reacting the wrong way, you will pray the right way. Because prayer will give you the wisdom that you need. Matter of fact, be prayerful when it's easy to do the wrong thing. It would have been easy for, for Joseph to go, well, the reason why this didn't work out is because of her. would have been easy for Joseph to make a public disgrace out of her. 
Would have been easy for him to save his reputation by pointing the finger at her. Would have been easy for him to take that road. But when the wrong thing seems to be the easy thing, pause long enough to pray. Doing the right thing is always harder than doing the wrong thing. And you get the power to do the right thing by spending time processing in prayer. And when you spend time processing in prayer, when it's easy to do the wrong thing, that's when God many times will reveal his plan for your life to you. That's when the Father's plan will find you. But then number three, God's plan for your life will require crazy faith. Has anybody ever take, taken a step of faith that you thought was God that didn't work out? Can I, can I see your hand? My hand's up. Both my hands are up. Can I tell you something? That's awesome. Say, Professor, it didn't work out. It's awesome. Do you know why? It's just training. It's just training. It's getting you used to stepping out and doing crazy things that you think, don't step out and do crazy things if you don't think it's God, right? How many's ever done that before, right? And more times, it's amazing how, you know, we step out and do crazy things that we know aren't God, and we get burned by them, and, and we do it again and again and again. We step out and do a crazy thing that is God, and, and then we're like, well, I'm not going to do that again because it didn't work out the last time. It's training because anytime you're going to experience the plan of God for your life, you must step out in crazy faith. Crazy faith is to believe what seems impossible. Crazy faith is to believe what seems to be impossible. Think about Joseph. What did he have to believe? He had to believe that Mary was pregnant by God. Can I just tell you, even if an angel showed up and told me that my fiance was pregnant by the, I would have been checking her phone. After I seen the angel, I would have been hacking into that phone. I would have been looking at them text messages. I would have been reading through them emails. I would have had a camera hidden by the room in our house, by the outside of our house. I would have had an FBI agent tracking her on the way. I, I don't care the angel showed up. There ain't no way. I know I ate something bad before that angel showed up to give me that kind of hallucination. Do you know what kind of crazy faith that took to believe what seemed impossible? But here's what I know about the plan of God. At some point in your life, it requires crazy faith. Faith like Noah, that you can build an ark, that you should build an ark. You haven't even seen rain. Faith like Moses, to stretch your staff over the Red Sea and see it part. Faith like Abraham, that God will give you a child in your 90s. Faith like Esther, that you can go before the king unannounced. Faith like Hannah, that God can open up your womb and give you a prophet to the nations. Faith like the Old Testament Joseph, that says your dream can come to pass even if you had a pit stop and a prison stop. Faith like David, that says God can give you victory over a giant, not with somebody else's armor, but with five smooth stones and a slingshot. Faith like blind Bartimaeus who yelled out when everybody else told him to shut up. Faith like the woman of Zarephath who gave Elijah a last bit of food when her child was starving and ready to die. Faith like Daniel who slept in the lion's den. Faith like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who said in the face of the fiery furnace, our God is able. you got to have crazy faith. Otherwise, you'll never 
playing it safe never gets you to experience the plan of God. Matter of fact, if you listen to most secular success stories, they are riddled with failure. Henry Ford said, failure is the, be- the ability to begin again more intelligently. Because he failed so many times along the way. But it takes crazy faith. And, and can I be honest with you? Sometimes that means you're going to step out and it ain't going to work out like you thought. But that's okay. Here's what I do. When that happens to me, I say, God, well, I was willing. Because what I found out is, is that God doesn't always need somebody who's right all the time. But God always needs somebody who's willing. And, and you know what I want? I want God. Here's, maybe this would be a good thing on my epitaph. He was willing. I was talking to a good friend of mine who's doing great things for God. And I was talking to him about that I felt like I was coming out of a season of laziness. I felt like, you know, my greatest temptation, by the way, has always been to just put stuff in neutral. You know, get to a point where things are easy and just cruise control. And, and, and I was, I was kind of in that season a little bit. And God, God showed up. He spoke to me. He said, you're a poor steward of the influence I gave you. That's what he said to me. Imagine what he's saying to you. No, just play it. Just play it, right? In other words, we got to be willing. Step out. Crazy faith. Here's what I know God wants you to hear. That when you step out, God steps in. When you step out, God steps in. Joseph stepped out. He was like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and believe this. And all of a sudden, God sends an angel. And I believe it was easy for Joseph for a period of time. After, you know, he convinced himself. Have you ever convinced yourself? Okay, I heard from God. And you're walking in faith. And all of a sudden, evidence shows up that makes you question whether you heard from God. You know what Joseph's evidence was? Mary's stomach. It was easy for him them first two months. Especially because, you know, they weren't living together like most people do today. So he wasn't seeing her with a shirt off. So, you know, women could hide the pregnancy for at least a couple months, two, three months. So every time she showed up, you know, Joseph looking, okay, cool, yeah, yeah, the Holy Spirit, yeah, I got you. About three months, boom. Six months, boom. I don't know about this Holy Spirit stuff. How'd How'd that happen right there? But here's what I know, that when God... When we step out, God steps in. And so what does God do? God sends them time and time and time and time again. Confirmations along the way. There they are in the stable and Jesus is born in the stable. And they, they look down at him and he looks ordinary. And Joseph is probably thinking, how in the world are good to sucking me into this right here? He looks like my friend. I know he doesn't look like my <laughs> And all of a sudden a shepherd show up. Um, excuse me. Um, is there a baby here? Yeah, what, what, why you ask that question? And we, we was out in the field. And, and an angel showed up and told us, if we come right here, we'll find the Savior of the world. When you step out, God shows up. All of a sudden, he hears another dream. Don't, don't go back home. Herod's trying to kill the baby. Go, go, go buy a different, go to Egypt. Well, God, ha- I got no job in Egypt. How are we going to make it in Egypt? Don't worry about it. Sure enough, they go to Egypt. They get settled in a house. And Magi from the east show up. They didn't show up at the stable. They showed up to the house. And they... We saw a star. Star told us to come, to come right where you at. And we just happened to bring you gifts. Well, what you bring us? Frankincense. Uh, I don't quite understand that. Myrrh. 
Yeah, okay, cool. Go. Now I'm feeling you, God. I, I knew you had my back. I, I knew where you would, I knew when you said you'd provide. You would, when you step out, God steps in all along the way. He steps in with confirmations and he, he steps in with protection and he steps in with provision. But you need to have some crazy faith if you're going to experience the plan of God for your life. Can I give you two more quick hits about God's plan for your life? That was only one, two people who said yes. Can I give you a few more quick hits? I was going to do it anyway, even if you didn't say yes. Just so you know. Being a pastor gives you the ability to be disobedient in some ways, like when you ask your congregation questions that you already know the answer to. Uh, number four, God's plan for your life requires that you know God is with you. Joseph, the virgin shall be with a child give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. For, for the first little time, it wasn't God with us. For Joseph, for the first little time, it was God with me. As Joseph is walking out the plan of God, and he is seeing everything kind of shift and change and all hell breaking loose in his life, I often wondered how he was able to remain faithful. But then God brought me to this scripture where God told Joseph that his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And I understood that what got Joseph through his moments of doubt and his moments of fear and his moments of frustration and his moments that were painful and hard was that Joseph understood that it wasn't just God with them, that it was God with me. That even though he was the caretaker of the creator of the universe, that the creator of the universe was taking care of him the entire way and if you're going to fulfill God's plan for your life at some point you're going to have to know God's with you because all hell will break loose it's not unique it's just the way it goes because when God wants you to do something and you really are walking in what God wants you to do the enemy doesn't want you to do it. And so where the plan of God is, not only does the provision of God show up, not only the protection of God show up, but the attack of the enemy also shows up. And that's why we say no weapon formed against us shall prosper. It doesn't mean it won't show up. It doesn't mean it won't try. But in the end, what it means is that God will have the last word as we remember that God is with us every step of the way. Can I just give you a little list? Here's what's happened to me along the way. Been betrayed by more than one person, very, very close to me. Rumors and lies have been spoken at nausea. People have gotten on the inside who have been used by the enemy. My family and my kids have come under attack. My life has been threatened. I've gone through seasons of depression. I had people promise me big things that we've relied on that have then bailed and not come through on. And at one time, I lost everything financially. And here's what I would tell you. I would do it all again. Do you know why? Because during all of those seasons, there's one thing that kept me going. 
there's one thing that enabled me to have the power to persevere. And that one thing was not my abilities because I would have quit. That one thing was not because I thought I knew somebody and had connections. The one thing is because I knew that 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 God was with me. And when you know God is with you, you fight differently when you know God is with you. You fight from the perspective that says that I'm going to take a licking and keep on ticking. When you know God is with you, you fight from the perspective of it's just a matter of time before this thing turns back in my direction. When you know God is with you, you don't look at setbacks. They're setups for comebacks. When you know God is on your side, you know that you can't possibly in the end lose because you know, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. You fight differently when you know God is with you. If you're going to see the plan of God come to pass in your life, you got to know God's on your side. you got to know he's with you in battle. And here's what God told me to tell somebody. He's with you in your battle for your marriage. He's with you in your battle for your kids. He's with you in your battle for your finances. He's with you in your battle for your career. He's with you in your battle for your health. He's with you in your battle for your emotions. God is with you. That's his name, Emmanuel. God with us, not God watching us from a distance, but God with us and walking with us side by side, each step of the way every day through every moment, whether it's good or whether it's bad. God is with us with you in battle and all of that is wonderful and good but number five God's plan requires a yes from you requires one of the things I learned about God is that like um, a partial yes is a no hashtag Pastor Frank Santora Like, like, we've been told this so many times, haven't we? Did, didn't he say, he said, I, I would rather you be cold or hot. But if you're lukewarm, translation, I really can't do much with you. God's, God's plan for your life requires a yes. At some point, you must be willing to lay aside your plan for your life. You must be willing to trade your current comfort for God's greater challenge. You must be willing to burn your plow. You must be willing to go all in. You must be willing to pick up your cross daily and follow him. You must be willing to say like Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. You must be willing to say like Esther said, I'll go and if I die, I die. You must be willing to say, my life is not my own, but I've been bought with a price. You must be willing to say, God, I'm all yours, not in part, but in full. Otherwise, and, and, and this doesn't bother some people, so it may not hit home with you. Otherwise, you, you might live the American dream and miss the dream for which you were put on the planet for. I'm not okay with that. Truth is, real talk, most Christians are. Truth is, most Christians' aspiration is the American dream. And I'll throw this in because, you know, I don't want you to forget what I've preached to you in the past. It's why most Christians show up for church 1.7 times a month. It's why every December, with the exception of the plague and 
the Christmas service, church attendance goes down for us. You know why? Because people are shopping on Sunday. Because they're more interested in the American dream than the dream that God has for them. And I just learned this, that I can't convince people to go all in for God. That's why there's a Holy Spirit. But at some point, we've got to say yes. Joseph could have been a carpenter. And we wouldn't have been talking about him right now. But Joseph decided to sign up to be caretaker of the universe for a season. Joseph said, God, I'll lay aside my reputation. The answer is yes. God, I'm willing to look like a fool for you. The answer is yes. God, I'm willing to put my life on the line for you. The answer is yes. God, I'm willing to have my child born in a stable. The answer is yes. When I said this last night, I heard the Holy Spirit say on the inside of me that most people will miss my plan because they will quit when they go through a stable season. That doesn't, sound, that doesn't mean what it sounds like. Because stable seasons, that sounds like a solid season. But what I mean by a stable season is the season after you say yes to God and instead of finding yourself experiencing the success of the plan of God, you experience a season of being in the stable. And what happens, this is so good. I, I, just, I just need to let you know right now there's a, a download that is just happening. Listen, listen. Put your spiritual ears on. What happens is when most people say yes to the plan of God, what they're seeing is what God has for them ahead. And so we sign up for that. But what we don't realize is that success has to go through seasons in order to culminate in where the dream was revealed. Joseph, everybody's going to bow down before you. I'm in, I'm in. What's up, bro? Yeah, you're going to be bowing down before me. Who wouldn't want that dream? Who wouldn't sign up for that dream? Pit, prison, then palace. He said yes anyway. Even though it meant a stable season. God, I'm willing to live on the run for a few years. The answer is yes. God, I'm willing to let them talk about me and think I'm crazy. The answer is yes. God, I'm willing to step out even if I don't understand it all. The answer is yes. When Joseph woke up from the dream, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Can I... um? also share with you one other secret to saying yes be quick to obey this is always amazing look at look at human nature human nature is quick to do what disobey right how many of your kids first word was sure okay yes how many of your kids first word was no Human nature is quick to disobey. How many of you know when you get born again, you get a new nature? Your new nature is the nature of God. At that point in your life, here's the way that you say yes to the plan of God, is if God tells you to do something, do it. 
Here's what happens in churches around the world every single day. People come to church and they get challenged by the word of God. And, and God instructs them in those moments to make certain decisions. And they are sincerely all in at that moment. But then they get in the car. And some, by the time they hit the highway again, they have talked themselves out of what God has asked them to do. Instant obedience. When God says, just do it. I promise you, you won't regret it. The things that we regret in our lives is the times when we say no to God, but God's plan for our life requires a yes.